So it was good though, right? Yeah, it was good. Cool. No hum. No hum. All good. Action! Hello and welcome to the No Expectations Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm James. And I'm Max. And today we are talking about 2001's The Majestic, starring Jim Carrey, Martin Landau, and Laurie Holden. And this is written by Michael Sloan and directed by Frank Darabont. Nice. In 1951, a blacklisted Hollywood writer gets into a car accident, loses his memory, and settles down to a small town where he is mistaken for a long-lost son. So what's amazing about this movie is James has touted this one as a Jim Carrey classic for a very long time, and me being a huge Jim Carrey fan, this is one I'd never seen before. So I watched it yesterday, and it was a real treat because it was like watching a brand new Jim Carrey movie. Mm-hmm. It's actually been like years since I've watched this film, so it was... It was nice watching it again because, like, the last time I watched this, I was probably like twelve or thirteen, around there, like really early teenager. And I, I remember when we first moved here, um, that was always playing on, like, I believe HBO or Stars, and it was on a lot. And I would just always like watch it back to back. Yeah. But it's like it's just been out of my memory for a while. So actually going back to watch this was felt very fresh. I mean, there was a glimpse of uh, scenes that I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, yeah. But yeah. It was nice rewatching this. It was out of your memory, almost like you got in a car accident on a bridge and woke uh, up in an unfamiliar place. Yeah, that's how it felt, exactly like that. And then you found a man who was your father figure, and he had missed you for about five years. And then he said... And he kept calling you Luke. You yeah, know? Luke, I have this theater. Yeah. And, you know, maybe if you come in, we could start it back up again like we talked about. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And there's some girl that came back in town, and she, mm-hmm. like, you know... I was like in she, love with her. She has or the something. hiccups. Yeah, she has, the, she hiccups. has the hiccups a lot, and I have to <laughs> yeah. kiss her to stop the hiccups. Yeah, and other things. Yeah. It is Jim Carrey month, and this was a this is the first time watch for me. It was a real treat because uh, you know comedies after comedies <clears throat> they can get a little bit old. Uh, this was a exa- fine example of Jim Carrey just bringing a lot of depth and his uh, man. He's a, he's a very skillful actor, and he does he does get casted as just the funny man a lot of the times, and um, you know. This is a good departure from that, in my opinion. You could really see there was a point in Jim Carrey's career, and I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, where he was, just like Robin Williams at a certain point, was really hungry for drama. And the same thing happened with Sandler eventually. <laughs> you know, no, you know with the water boy. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, devil! Everything is the devil to you, mama! Well, I like school! And I like football! And I'm going to keep doing a boat because they make me feel good. And by the way, Mama, alligators are ornery because they're medulla oblongata. I like Vicky and she likes me back. And she showed me her movies and I like them too. It's funny that you say that though too because yeah. like I was telling Max uh, before we got here, like my dad... I was talking to him on the phone. He's like, oh, I love The Majestic. It's uh, that one where he's acting. I was like, well, he's not acting. Yeah, like, he's always acting. Movie, but I'm like, I'm like, his character. He's like, no, he's like, Jim Carrey's actually acting. He's doing like dramatic D- Dramatic work acting. I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. It's like, funny like, how dramatic acting is considered more important acting than comedic acting, but I think both have their place, you know? Yeah, I, I agree, too. Totally, yeah. Like, especially, like, I go back to this. We said this in a previous episode. Um, if you know comedy, you can pretty much do mm-hmm. any role i i think that i believe that i don't know if you do but i honestly I do, do totally i think some of the best most intense performances we have are from guys like robin williams and adam sandler and jim carrey in serious roles because it's almost such a surprise to see them be so serious well, i so think it's also see... because uh in order to be funny at that level 
it seems like a prerequisite. I don't know if this is true or not. Um, a lot of people believe that you have to have this like deep pain. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these a lot of these comedians are just they've had these horrible childhoods or uh, harsh upbringings, trauma in their life, and I think that shows through even more so in the dramatic uh, aspect of it. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at you know Jim Carrey in Kidding, or you look at Jim Carrey in this, or you look at him in aspects of the Truman Show. Or you look at Sandler in Uncut Gems or in Punch Drunk Love or you look at Robin Williams in Insomnia or One Hour Photo or Goodwill Hunting. Those dudes take it to a whole new level with drama. They do. And they're known for comedy. When you think of them, people are always like, oh, Sandler, haha, Carrie, you know. But there's something about it where it's almost like they can dig a little bit deeper than your average dramatic actor. I think with a lot of dramatic actors, you come to expect it all the time from them to constantly make you cry. Yeah, you but, know, what it was like like yeah, going back to like the cry thing. Yeah, sorry, interrupting. No, but like, fine. For the fact like you say that too, because with like uh, comedy actors, like think about it, like the most of the time I've ever like almost like teared up or I did tear up was with these guys, like totally. said, Robin Williams, yeah. Adam Sandler, and Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. especially with, like, Robin Williams. That scene like, with John Candy and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. John Candy is a perfect example. Yeah. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, like, yeah, when I first watched that, I got a little teary. Yeah, yeah. No shame. No. So no. they do, like, a really, like, yeah, like, I don't know what it is. Like you said, like, they just have more experiences in their mm-hmm. lives, and I totally I think, agree with you. I think that. it's because they connect with us in other areas, and you're almost surprised that they're able to go there. Mm-hmm. They're almost able to cross into this other territory. And you're like, oh wow, I did not see that coming. Yeah, yeah. like it's they're not being themselves. Like you can actually feel mm-hmm. them as a like an actual character. Yeah, fantastic. You already have your guard down because they've made you laugh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think it's awesome, and I think more actors should do that. You know, I really respect when I see. You know, a lot of times they're not as big a hits as the comedies, but as an actor, it's good that they don't let themselves get stuck in one category, and they're willing mm-hmm. to branch out. And it's fine to be a comedian and to do comedy for your whole life. But I really do respect it when they take a chance every once in a while yeah, and do a dramatic role. It's like um, like modern actors now, like Jonah Hill is doing that as well. It's great. I respect yeah. it. I respect it totally. Waiting on you, Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting on you. He's attempted a few times. I don't I'm just Has he? Well, you're going to smoke a pot. Seth Rogen. But, um, yeah, this movie, um, I, I will say maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind to watch The Majestic, but I got a little bored. It, I got a little bored. It's slow. It is a slow burn. Yeah. Like, that's why I've, I've watched it multiple times. So okay. Like, I, I, like, it did take me a couple times. Like, I, I told you this earlier, too. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a great, like, if it was a TV show or a miniseries, it would have been a good TV show. It would have been great. Yeah. I still think it's a great Jim Carrey film. I loved it because I grew up, like, watching it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, like, that dramatic aspect to it. And I love the era as well because it's, it like, is the, a good era. the 50s. Yeah. And I just like the time, like, then. Absolutely, like, Everything's yeah. just, you know, just more... Um, can't even think of the word. Simple? Sim- yeah, just simple. Yeah, it seems it seems more straightforward, definitely. And, uh, and just the movie, like the way, like him making a movie theater with his like so-called <clears throat> dad. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it just magical to me. It is nice. And I'm not shitting on it in any way, and I hope I don't come across like that, but I think it just wasn't what I expected, and I didn't have the nostalgia with it, so I didn't come in with like any, you know, love of it really. Um, but I still love Jim Carrey, so obviously it's like I still enjoyed it for what it was. Mm-hmm. But I was expecting something more like Midnight in Paris with a little more magic, and I didn't really get that magic, so I feel like it kind of let me down. I a think bit. this is a film that's gonna be like um, you have to rewatch again to okay. more, to like appreciate it more because I remember watching it the first time as well. Okay. So going in like that as the first time, I was like, this is kind of slow, but then okay. I was like, I'm more watching it again. Okay. I'm like, I actually like this. Like, yeah. This is like like we go back with the whole like Jim Carrey being serious. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Especially back then for him, like this is like he started doing more of those movies. Yeah. Which was like a change uh, for Jim Carrey. Yeah, like to me, like 
like I said, not the shit on it, but just my, my honest initial opinion on it was after I watched it, I thought, man, this is like a really overly long Twilight Zone episode without the intensity or the drama or the point. <laughs> like, I was kind of like... a point. Yeah, I don't know. I, just, I think, on, like, it is a long film. It is yeah. a long film. It just needs... A, it didn't need to be two hours. Two and a half hours, yeah. I should say. It, it, felt, it felt a little hallmarky in places to me. Yeah, it was like... That's why I mean, because I actually like romance movies. This is like a romance um, movie drama. I'm a little picky. I know you are. I'm a little picky. So I this I love just like you know just love stories, and yeah. I think this is a really good one. But I I'm not a big fan of his love interest. Yeah. Not, she back, him back. back when I watched it back then, I was like, oh okay, yeah. But like now, I just don't. I don't. I'm not a big fan of that actress. Small she town girl. She she's beautiful. Like she's a very pretty woman, but there's something about her that's just dull as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's something about her. I don't know. Um. Yeah, it. Uh, maybe I'll go back and watch it again at another point, and like maybe when I'm in a better frame of mind for it. But I think when I was watching, it, I was expecting something with a little more magic to it, and maybe a little more humor, which wasn't there. And I think I was a little disappointed in that. I liked how kind of realistic is it was, and yeah. it it had some American history in there mm-hmm. that I like. And the communist uh, stuff was cool. Yeah, the, the, whole the, red, the, red, the yeah, red scare. The red scare that happened in the film industry. Another movie then. like that, um, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but a, a movie, yeah, Trumbo. Trumbo is Never very similar. Never seen it, but, I, I, but Trum- I know the history. Trumbo I really liked. Yeah. Trumbo was super good. I, I liked Trumbo more than this, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> well, but I'm not shitting on this. I'm not shitting on yeah. it. But, yeah, I, I love Jim Carrey, and I love Jim Carrey in his prime, so that won't allow me to shit on this because I love that era of Carrey so much. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, it was the movie for me. Not necessarily, but I'm glad I watched it. Um, yeah, I'm glad that you did watch it. It did yeah. take you like a while to watch it. It so. took me a long time. Yeah, it definitely took me a while. A few, a few sessions of watching. Uh no, a few like years. Just, yeah, <laughs> like, since just to we get were, around like, to watching. High it. school, middle school, honestly. A decade, maybe over a decade. Yeah, I, over. Told him, I told him about it for a while. It's been a while. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I really didn't like it, but uh, I think it it is worthy of a second watch maybe to like change my mind you know i think you do have to have a second watch. yeah and i was also pretty like drowsy when i watched it and it's kind of one of those where like yeah, i was watching it for the podcast as opposed to watching it for enjoyment mm. so i think that might be a part of it too but yeah, a little hall- hallmarky for my taste but uh can't shit on jim carrey though definitely can't shit on absolutely jim you want to talk about some fun f- little, i can't talk want to talk about some fun facts fun facts with jim carrey or some trivia let's talk about some trivia some fun facts let's do it okay so, the voices of the unseen studio executives during the first screenwriting scene and the one later in the film are all famous directors, including Gary Marshall, Paul Mazursky, Sidney Pollack, mm-hmm. Rob Reiner, and Carl Reiner. Mm-hmm. All these directors have also been uh, known for their occasional acting forays. Ooh, very interesting. I, I, I heard Rob Reiner, for sure. Oh, Rob Reiner. He has a distinct voice. Yeah, but everyone else, I didn't really know about that. At one point, while the characters in the film... Uh, are examining a storefront display of World War II heroes, a photograph of several men in uniform is shown. This photo is actual soldiers that fought in World War II, all of whom made their home at the location of the film shoot in Ferndale, California. Fun fact. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, they would have to go back and, like, they just grab the old wardrobe and make them for, like, World it's cool. War II. It's very cool. Some of those guys had a familiar look to them. I thought they were actual actors that had been, you know, gotten their pictures taken yeah. and put up there, and I thought, oh, that guy looks like yeah. he was in something, but it was just real soldiers. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, several names in the movie are connected to real-life persons involved in Senator Joseph McCarthy's witch hunt investigations. The town of Lawson is named for um, screenwriter John Howard Lawson, hmm. who stood up to the HUAC and ended the Red Scare. Another writer, Lester Cole, gave his surname to the mayor. 
Uh, Luke Trimble is named uh, for a blacklisted screenwriter, Dalton Trumbo. Whoa. So it, connected so to Trumbo. Connected. There so we Appleton go. is named for uh, Senator McCarthy's Wisconsin hometown. That's actually kind of really cool. So that is oddly they specific. Have, they did have Trumbo in mind. So there was well. something about that. It's so interesting how back then, you know, communism now, you know, it seems like it's like touted and celebrated. And back then it was like this really condemning thing that would like fuck your career. And now it's like the opposite almost. Yeah, it's, it's been re- normalized. Yeah, it was really normalized. weird back then. Like a lot of people got blacklisted. Yeah, it almost seems like back then they went to extreme and now they go to extreme in the opposite direction. The pendulum swings. The pendulum swings too far. I think it. the pendulum should be here, but it's always too far out here or here. And uh, I think that's where we have problems. Yeah. That's my political statement for the podcast. Uh, the scriptwriter Michael Sloan, is a close school friend of Frank Darabont. He also doubles as kindly old Professor Meredith in the Majestic's film within a film, Sand Pirates of the Sahara. Some fun facts about that as well. Uh, he first showed Darabont the script back in 1999, and while he wanted to make the film, Darabont was already committed to The Green Mile, 1999, another brilliant film. Uh, as soon as it was finished, he got to work on The Majestic in 2001. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, director's worked on a lot of, like, actually a lot of good films and yes. a TV show. And what was kind of cool, um, I'm going to kind of just piggyback off that, the director uh, was friends with the guy who was directing um, the, uh, the Mummy Returns, or no, The Scorpion King, I think it was The Scorpion King in 2002 and they were getting sets ready for the scorpion king and when they did the what was it called the sands of sahara what was it called the uh, the fake movie in there i think sands it was the, of sahara. Sahara. the yeah. pirates of, pirates of, of the, the sahara, sahara. they oh. the, with bruce campbell with those scenes they utilized sets from the scorpion king that were being built yeah. because the directors were friends and i'm like that's pretty cool that's some some hollywood you know fun facts right there i think it was like he was uh actual friends with george lucas at the time that's amazing well, so. wow there's a lot of like, oh yeah there is a fact with that we'll get to that they're all buddies yeah um, Brian Libby who plays studio guard Howe has appeared in all of director Frank Darabont's movies mm-hmm. Darabont considered Libby to be a lucky charm of sorts and cast him whenever possible um, so actually this director does it a lot mm-hmm. so um, like the main actress uh, does okay, it Lori Lori Holden does it does this a lot a lot a lot so what's her name? Lori Holden, whatever. Um, she's been in like most of his films and TV show. If you didn't know this, he mm. is a creator of The Walking Dead, which she is in there. Really? And I believe, okay. I believe, um, who's talking about that? Brian Libby. He might be in there as well. Hmm. So like he he's. When we go back to we talked about this before how directors and stuff always collaborate with like, their friends. I love that. So this is a person that does that, which That's is cool. it's really cool. Like I didn't know that. So about he did this The Walking guy. Dead and this. I would like to see more of his filmography eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's done. Oh, we'll bring it up. His style was cool. Yeah, he I did like have him. a cool style. It I was, like. The, I mean, like the cinematography in here is, is beautiful. Like there's been aspects of it that kind of remind me of like Chinatown. I totally. Know, yeah. I mean the time era as well. Mm-hmm. The best scene in the movie for me, I really enjoyed the. Uh, I mean, I like all the theater stuff, but I really particularly enjoyed the car crash scene. Yeah, that, that was, was really really, really well done, and mm-hmm. also just the sh- the camera actually going from above the water to below the water, and just that whole the intensity of that scene. And the monkey, you know. <laughs> I love the monkey. Yeah, the monkey is beautiful. My my favorite scene was definitely near the end when uh, Jim Carrey is kind of telling off the uh, courts, mm-hmm. and he's walking out, and uh, it's for me it's like the crescendo of the movie because he's finally crescendo. standing up for himself, and he's he's discovered his voice. Yeah, the America represented in this room is not the America he died defending. I think he'd tell you your America is bitter and cruel and small. The camera will come to order. I know for a fact his America was big, bigger than you can imagine, with a wide open heart. 
where every person has a voice. You are out of order, Even if sir. you don't like what they have to say. Enough, sir. You are out of order. I almost felt like that was improvised. I know it wasn't, you know, as far as I could tell, based on the things he was saying. But it felt very raw. Like that scene felt almost like when Bill Murray goes off at the end of Scrooged. And that was all improvised. Mm. And I heard that Bill Murray got a standing ovation from everyone for doing that. Um, this felt similar. This felt like really like passionate and everything. But that's a great actor right there. Uh, a character says he wouldn't know J. Edgar Hoover if he walked in here wearing a dress. A subtle reference to the claims that Hoover was a cross-dresser in his personal life. Uh, I feel like most people would know that. But uh, just throwing it out there. J. Edgar Hoover liked to run around in women's Wore clothing. Clothes, apparently. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, Del Stalton, Lori Holden, talks about how she was influenced by the film The Life of Emile Zola, and that it's a 1937 film. Lori Holden's grandmother was Gloria Holden, who actually played uh, Exandrin mm. Zola, Emile Zola's wife, in that film. We're getting into some deep Hollywood history oh, right yeah. here, man. Deep Hollywood history. That's yeah. what I loved about this film, because it was like the references for it was the old movies. Did you, did you catch that uh, It's a Wonderful Life poster in the background at the theater? I saw that, yeah. I was like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Uh, there's a brief scene of the Coco Bongo Club, yep, which is also that. in The Mask. And I could be wrong, but I think Jim Carrey owns a club down in Mexico, and it's actually called the Co Coco Bongo. Is it called the Coco Bongo? I believe so. Okay. But that was kind of a – even if it's not, that's a really cool nod to the, the club and The Mask. I was like, man, that's weird that he only did that twice. You know, that would be something I feel like as a movie I would have in, like, every movie in the background, you know. But it's in, yes, it's in Cancun. 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 Oh, so it really is called that? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Very cool. Coco Bongo. Oh. Um, this Chuck is... Russell was the director of The Scorpion King. Okay. Yeah. They were friends. Got it. Chuck Ru Didn't we talk about Chuck Russell? I don't know. I don't know. We talked about uh, Chuck Berry. Wasn't Chuck Russell also... Who who directed The Mask? Uh, Chuck Berry. No, it was a Russell also. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no. It wow. was like something like David O. Russell, but not. It's not. It was yeah. a Russell. It was a Russell. So that's why I'm like, maybe that's why. Russell Westbrook? I don't know. I don't know. Who, di uh, who directed The Max again? Uh, Max. Some guy. Real quick. Sorry, Jamie. Uh -uh. <laughs> Chuck Russell. No, so Chuck I, Russell. So it was Chuck Russell. I didn't know it he, was Chuck he directed Russell. the Scorpion King. Wow. <laughs> so Not he, a great <laughs> Interesting. So he had a connection with Jim Carrey. That's maybe why they grabbed Jim Carrey for this interesting. film. Interesting. And hey, you know what? I don't care what anyone says. I enjoyed the Scorpion King. I love aspects of the Scorpion King. Yeah. Oh, and fun fact. I'm wearing a mummy t-shirt. We'll get back to that later. Oh, mummy. Um, um, so this was only Frank Darabont's feature film that is not based on a Stephen King novel or a short story. So, like, I go back with, like, The Walking Dead. He also directed The Mist. Did he? Yeah, so that was with Thomas Jane. Holy yeah, shit. Our Punisher. Holy shit. Yeah. He is our Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's always, like, I guess he's done a couple Stephen King short. Oh, yeah, Green Mile. Green Mile. So, yeah. yeah. Nice what a prolific man. It's funny how some directors... Are like on the tip of your tongue, and you're always like, "Oh, Tarantino, Scorsese, Spielberg, Michael Mann." Like you know these big directors. There's other ones that have done so many things that we've seen, but you just don't think about. Yeah, it. Frank Darabont. He's more of a, a writer or a producer yeah. now. He doesn't really direct much, but he's. I think he just probably just made up lots of money. Yeah, it's like, interesting. There's some movies where I'm like, "Oh, I love this movie," and I'm like, "I have no idea who directed it. I've yeah. seen it 50 times." Mm -hmm. That's crazy. He's one of those guys. Uh, a brief appearance of the Golden Idol, I caught this from Raiders of the Lost Ark, can be seen in Appleton's in-film movie, Sand Pirates of the Sahara. I noticed that. I noticed that little Golden Idol. Uh, Frank Darabont previously worked on the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, 1992, uh, which I really enjoyed and had on VHS as a kid, as a writer and would later spend a year writing a script for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Rest in peace. Terrible fucking movie. Which ended up being personally rejected by George Lucas. Well, maybe they should have gone with his script because it would have been better. Yeah. 
I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so this actually, so we'll go to our alternate casting in a little bit. But this, I consider this person, but I'm like, I've done him before. So Tom Hanks turned down the role of Peter oh, Appleton. That would have been interesting. So I, I pictured him, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Hmm. I, it was a heavy tanks, uh, heavy tanks. <laughs> it was a heavy Hanks era. That's what we call Tom Hanks. Though. <laughs> He's the tanks, <laughs> man. He's the tanks. Um, yeah, it was definitely like that was like Castaway era, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm glad it went the way it went. Definitely. Um, Jim Carrey's second movie where he narrates. The first was Simon Birch. Do you know? Does that make sense? Do you know? Does that make sense what I just said? (laughs) The first movie was Simon Birch. I don't know what Simon Birch was. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) This was his second movie where he narrates. Okay. Very cool. I guess the first one was where he was Simon Birch or it's a movie called Simon Mm, Birch. Okay. I don't know that Jim Carrey. (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Max, what is Simon Birch? Sam Sam Birch Simon Birch Simon Birch Coco Bongo S I M O N B R C K I S S I N G Simon Birch is that a movie? It's a movie. Oh, it's a movie. Drama comedy narrated okay. by Jim Carrey. He narrated. Okay. I was watching a uh, documentary on the World's Fair back in like 1930 something. I think it was Chicago's World Fair, and it was a big thing. And I was watching this, and I was kind of like kicking back on the couch, watching it, kind of half paying attention. And I was like, who's narrating this? I'm like, I know, I know this voice like so well. It happens a lot with me. And I'm watching it and I'm like, this is Gene Wilder. And I looked really? and I, and I'm like, oh, there's no way. I'm like, this was done like fairly recently. I want to say like 2012 or something like that. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's probably not. And I looked up, it was Gene Wilder. It was one of the last things he did. Aww. And he narrated this whole documentary. And I was like, oh, cool. Hmm. It's really good. So look it up, a World's Fair documentary narrated by Gene Wilder. Guys, yeah. I want to show you this. I'm just kind of going down a rabbit hole. Oh, put here. your pants back. I found <laughs> I found Coco Bongo. <laughs> I see that. So that, uh, is, that is cool looking. There it's are multiple impressive. locations. Like in, they should be in Vegas. They should have one in Vegas. They should have one in Vegas. Yeah. They have one in Cancun, Mexico. Cool. One in uh, Playa de Carmen, Mexico. Hmm. And then one in uh, uh, Punta Cana. Oh. And Punta, Punta. this one has a gigantic Spider-Man. Holy shit. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Wow, everything's just crossing over into yeah. what we talked about recently. Yeah. yeah, check out our uh, Spider-Man episode, uh, No Way Home. Yeah, it was a pretty like good that. one. Scroll back through the records, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Anyways. Um, anyway, you want to continue with the fun facts? But that's crazy, man. I would love to take a trip to Coco Yeah, Bongo. we need to go for, uh, for No Expectations. Vlog. I would love that. Coco Bongo, Michael Jackson, what was going on there? Um, that's all the fun and facts that I... Hee-hee. If you can think Hee-hee. of any more. Go. I say we get into recasting, man. Um, would you mind if I kick mine off, or do you want to start? You can recast yours, buddy. Okay, so let's start with the Jim Carrey character. Um, I picked Nick Cage, Brendan Fraser, or Sam Rockwell. I think they all would have done a tremendous job. And a bonus would have been Tobey Maguire. I think at the time Toby. I could think have Toby would have been good. Toby would have been. I think really he'd good. been a little young. No, yeah, everyone's better. He would have been about twenty-five. Yeah, something like that. I, think I just don't know when I see when I see it. I just I, I picture a thirty-year-old man. Absolutely, yeah, but I think he he could have at least pulled it off. Maybe they could have changed it a little bit. Sam Rockwell was just unknown back then. Sam Rockwell would have been. That would have been Matchstick Man. Great. Right? I think maybe a little earlier. Maybe a little earlier. Yeah, that would have been really good. Um, yeah, that was my choice for Lori Holden's character, the love interest. I picked Drew Barrymore. Naomi Watts or Kate Beckinsale. Oh, I love Kate Beckinsale. That's my... I think that would have been really good. For Martin Landau's character, I picked Paul Newman, who still would have been alive for quite a few more years, Robert Duvall or Jack Nicholson. I think that would have been a totally different movie 
but it could have been. I really I considered Jack Nicholson at the time as well. Robert, out of those, I think Robert Duvall would have been. I didn't the, think about Robert Duvall. The best. I thought that. about Paul Newman as well too, Did but you? I'm like, I just don't. I don't know. I just like. I was, he would have stolen the show. I think mine is not that great. Okay. The, the dad. I think it was a little bit tough to find the dad for me, honestly. It's tough. It's tough. Um, for Bruce Campbell's cameo, I was just having fun here. I picked Norm Macdonald, Steve Buscemi, or Matthew McConaughey. I think McConaughey would have been the best fit for like that Errol Flynn type char- type character. Um, for director, I would have picked Woody Allen based on his work on Midnight in Paris. And for writer, hypothetically, I would have picked Alden Robinson, who did Field of Dreams. Nice. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like the film kind of reminded me of like an overly long Twilight Zone episode, minus the edge with a lot of Mayberry mixed in from Andy Griffith. You know, without the humor. Um. Like I said, not to shit on it, but it just I think I went in with expectations and I should have gone in with no expectations. Um. So what's kind of interesting is you're fired. Castle Rock Productions did this movie, same as the ones who produced Seinfeld. I knew you were going to mention that, too. Yeah, and they, they did Seinfeld. So the judge in the court is actually the same guy who plays the NBC executive in Seinfeld, one of the NBC execs. And I thought, oh, okay, it makes sense because it's a Castle Rock production. And I could be wrong, but I think there's one other person in there, too, that appeared in Seinfeld. And I was like, oh, Castle Rock, there it is. Oh, we did forget about, like, uh, another fun fact <clears throat> about this because this, this, this was actually uh, considered mine for the – Ultimate casting was mm-hmm. um, uh, Matt Damon does the voice of the real Luke when he's reading the letter. Yes. So I I was thinking about considering him as the cast uh, for Jim Carrey as well. So. And abs- actually in real life, he turned down the role. He was offered the role before Jim Carrey, but he turned it down to work on the first Born Identity movie. Which is a better choice. Yeah, much better choice. But um, for me, movies that are similar to this, I already mentioned Pleasantville. Midnight in Paris or Purple Rose of Cairo with Jeff Daniels really underrated movie uh, that also kind of deals with that uh, retro Hollywood silver screen time um, with a little bit of magic and I think mm-hmm. those movies in my opinion are better but um, are very similar to this movie in terms of like style and era yeah I, I would have to say Pleasantville as well uh, Midnight in Paris is such a great film too dude so one of my favorites great. yeah so good um, for my alternate cast, um, so let's start with let's do Lori Holden. I almost did Naomi Watts too. I thought about her. Oh, did you? So I got her doppelganger. There's like a little similarity to them. With like sort of. uh, Nicole Kidman. <coughs> oh, okay. Good. Um, <coughs> for Matt, uh, Martin and Lando, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, yeah. So I thought of him, and there's a reason why I thought of him because for Jim Carrey, did Brad Pitt, and they were oh. in Meet Joe Black. Very cool. So they have already had like history working with each that other. That would have worked. That would have worked really well. I don't know if Meet Joe Black was later <coughs> or before or around the same time. Meet Joe Black was about three years before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, director, I just did uh, Peter Weir, Truman Show. Oh. I think it would have just been solid. And they would have had history working with Jim Carrey. That's a very solid choice. Mm-hmm. Good job, sir. Yeah, thank you. Good thank job. You. But yeah, this movie, um, for me, if I got to get into ratings, like, well, I, s- like I said, well, okay, go ahead. Max, you just can you think of anyone else for Jim Carrey? That's all I'm gonna ask. Just, just Max, <laughs> okay. Jim Carrey. Anyone else who you think who could be him? Cage would have been good. Cage, yeah, I could picture that. <clears throat> First thing I thought of was Matt Damon after seeing him yeah, in really? uh, American Sniper. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, you know, he's a good war hero guy. Um, one thing about Matt Damon being the voice of. Uh, of the real Luke, mm-hmm. I think it kind of. You, you were telling me about a fan theory. Um, oh um, yeah. Okay. Let me go to that real quick. Oh, I would love so to. So I have that. to pull this up. I think. I think it kind of. I think it kind of devoids the probability of this fan theory. But let, let's okay. let's hear it out. I would love to hear it. Yeah. 
Okay, so lay it on me. I'm gonna read a lot. It has to be on my phone. I'm sorry. Um, actually, I probably could pull this up. Yeah, on read the, it. Just okay. read your thing. So, this movie has been popped up on HBO a lot. I went back in the day. So, after, uh, this is what this guy said. His evidence is early in the film. It's mentioned that Appleton attended college via the G Bill. The GI Bill was available for those who served on the home front, but it connects to the fact that both characters were in the military. Uh, both characters had a connection to the movie industry. In Appleton's case, he was a writer in Hollywood, which Trimble, his fa family, ran a movie theater. If the Appleton slash Trimble character suffered an injury during the war that resulted in temporary loss in his memory, perhaps going to Hollywood and working on the movies happened because of his childhood, similar to how Pirates of Sahara movie poster reminded the character of his life in Hollywood. Um, there's also there's a conversation between the, the doctor and Luke's dad uh, during the town gathering scene about how Luke had been missing for years and years, lived in another life. I thought this was hinting towards an ending, revealing that Peter and Luke all along, however, um, I'll just use that as a hint regarding my theory. So Luke's body was never found. Again, while I'm sure there was plenty of soldiers who were never recovered, <clears throat> this is an important basic fact in the theory. The whole town was convinced a few townspeople had suspicions, but the direct fact that everyone bought into it and gives him some credibility. Soldiers suffered from uh, disassociative amnesia in real life and was first diagnosed following World War One. So again, there is a real life evidence backing up this theory. So there's a possibility like he just had like um, PTSD and he could have been. Could have been the guy. He could have been Luke. He could have been Luke. I thought you were going to say since it was after World War Two. Yes, it was. Or was World it after? War, I guess it was or was it after War. Korea? Korea would have been around that time. Probably World War II. Well, it was 1940s. So 1945 is when World War II ended. Yeah, so maybe this guy put meant to. Okay, so it also could be connected to Saving Private Ryan because Matt Damon was Private Ryan and everyone was looking for him. Not Private Luke, but... I know, but like maybe... Maybe it was a code name. <laughs> I don't know, maybe... No, I mean, when I, when I first watched this film, too, I was like always questioning, I'm like there is a possibility like i remember yeah i thought that too that he hmm. could have been him okay that he just forgot his memory before and then just started this whole new life it would have been interesting if he actually would have been that guy as opposed to not like it would have been interesting it's a little far-fetched but yeah it would have been cool it's though. difficult i don't know but i i like what they did with it you know like i said not not what i was expecting but something totally unique for jim carrey and i really respect actors taking chances like that mm -hmm. but um yeah hmm. I, I, th I thought matt damon too well, Matt Damon would have been sweet. Immediately, that was I my first I immediately thought of Matt Damon as well. But I was like, I think he's uh, is he too young. I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure. He might have been a little young. He and Toby might have been a little young. But I think Toby would have been great in that role. Wouldn't Toby we have been really We just put Toby in everything. You know? We just have Toby. I'm hoping, here's the thing. After the success of the most recent Spider-Man movie, which we talked about previously, um, I would love to see a Toby renaissance. I would love to see Toby come back. Willem seems like he's been working pretty consistently. Like yeah, He's got yeah, Nightmare, so. Nightmare Alley coming out, and he's he's doing well. Toby's been kind of off the grid. I feel like he just has all that Spider-Man money. He's just living life. He's, he's just, yeah, I think he just like yeah. goes on benders in Vegas and just. <laughs> <laughs> Good I, for him. I yeah, I respect Toby. Him and Leo. But yeah, totally, they're like buddies. But uh, I would love to see him come back with another big, big hit, like something totally unrelated to Spidey, something like a like Brendan Fraser is going to be doing in the new Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I movie. wonder if our, like Brothers was such. I like I love Brothers. I, I never saw it all the way film. through. I just saw the freakout scene. Yeah, it's a really good film with him and Toby and uh, well, and it's Toby and Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think would be a good vehicle for Toby to come back into movies? Like, aside from yeah, it is Jake Aside from Spidey, like say out of the superhero realm, if we could have Toby back in like one or two really big movies. What?
kind of role would you want to see him in? Like in like any successful any movie. Like, trilogy or just in a movie? Anything in new, general? any type of movie, anything. You know, uh, ooh, that is a good question. Yeah, I'd like to see him in something a little... Something different. Maybe like a psychological thriller. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, uh, we already had, like, with like, like brothers, I would say, like that. Yeah. I, I think they should do a, uh, a Tobey Maguire Satan's Alley. You know, Satan's Alley. You, have you seen Tropic Thunder? Of course you have. From Fox Searchlight. Satan's Alley. It's like a broke back mountain. I would love to see him in a comedy. I'd love to see him in like an offbeat. Com- Maybe, you know, what would be kind of good for Toby with his vibe. And now that he's obviously an older actor, not older, but you know, middle aged to, to older. He, uh, he would be really good in the indie film circuit. Like the roles that like Ben Foster takes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Toby like kind of doing more independent movies. I agree. Yeah. I, I think, I think we need to have a lot more of that. Yeah. Cause some of those movies, like they surprise the heck out of you. They're just so darn good. And, just because it's not mainstream and backed with a whole bunch of CGI and well-known faces, sometimes there's some really darn Let's good get like indif- a, like kind of movies. Uncut gems, but with like Toby. yeah, that's with Toby. I'd like something a little more yeah. fun too, like with yeah. a little more humor in it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I want I want to see the Giants uh, take you know take a step back and have more indie films take a lead. Exactly. With today's technology, it's it's there's no reason why, you know, you can't have a little bit lower of a budget and still have a good movie, it because. I feel like the the big producers right now they don't really lean into like good acting or screenwriting. It's no. more of just like the whole pro- the production the as production. a whole, mm-hmm. and just like throw more money at it. Money, 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 money. Yeah. So. Oh, this is cool. Let's put that in there. Yeah, exactly. Something Let, bright and shiny. Let's have an explosion and then a joke every you know one point five minutes. You know, it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I hate them. We're all gonna die. We're the spaceship. Yeah, I, I've had it. enough sequels for now. Yeah, yeah. We could, let's, we could... let's do something new. Yeah, and I know everyone says this, but we're gonna keep saying it until it fucking changes. But anyway, ratings. Ratings. Yeah. All right, my rating, because I don't have the nostalgia connected, but I do love Jim Carrey. Three out of five for me. That's not bad. Yeah, three out of five. Average. Yeah. I give it a three and a half. Three and a half. Three and a half. Well, I even with your nostalgia, huh? Mm-hmm. Three and a half. Interesting. I, I also give it a three and a half. Okay. Um, I just like I, the history. I do like the history Fair. aspect of it. I think the performance from Jim Carrey was uh, superb. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very good. Three solid three out of five. Solid three out of five. Solid. Yeah. Solid three out of five. Okay, so not three and a half. Three. Point five. Three. Three, three and, and a half out of five. five? Yeah, three point five out of five. What okay. did I say? Okay. You said Perfect. three and a half out of five. Then I just want to make sure because three. I know those magical stars are going to appear. <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> I don't know how they get there. They magically appear. 3.57 out of five. So three and a half. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, 3.6. Let's round up. Fantastic. Uh, now let's talk about that poster for a second. It kind of reminds me of the Weatherman poster a little bit. Nick, Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. That's what Nick That's Cage would have like, pulled I've this never off. seen that poster for the Majestic. It's a good one. It's very modern. Or even the other one that you have up as well, Max. I feel the one on the bottom left is more appropriate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Time Way period. better. That looks like something from the one. 50s this and it looks one, great. This one looks like it, the movie came out last year. Yeah. Yeah, it looks very modern. I I will almost bet money that's a Blu-ray case cover or cover. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I really like that one that looks like a Mr. Deeds goes to Washington, like classic looking poster. That mm. one looks pretty cool. Like that. Oh, you were saying had this been made back in the day, Jimmy Stewart. 
Yeah, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, I yeah. If it was back like in that time era, like who mm-hmm. was a perfect person? Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy. Jimmy Stewart. Awesome. Oh my, the majestic. It was, mm-hmm. It's such a wonderful mm-hmm. theater. But you know, frankly, I don't remember. And directed much. by Alfred Hitchcock. Man, <laughs> cool. Put some suspense I, in there, man. I tell my actresses to take their tops off, and they don't listen. <laughs> it's the birds. We need to see nipples. <laughs> nipples. All right, guys. Um, so, hottie for the movie. I guess we got to go with. Uh, I'm, gonna, gr- I'm gonna go with Mabel, the girl who played Mabel, the it, one who was like supposed to dance with Bob all the time, the Bob mm, the asshole. Yeah. I like the one that was the the actress in the movies in the beginning that was like his girlfriend in the very beginning oh yeah the one who was like she was the cutie yeah, for me okay, yeah. she was the cutie the one where at the end of the trial he's like well I'm trying to get laid <laughs> yeah exactly I'm haunted yeah uh, a horny boy back then of course he's a horny 1950s man at the Cocobongo Club uh, any closing remarks on this film definitely Amanda Detmer for me she was, oh that was she mine was yeah. yeah she that was, was my. It was my choice. My choice it was my choice she's a 10 she's a solid 10 let me see who was Ma- it was Mabel right Mabel. Mabel. It sounds like a cow. Yeah, right there. Catherine Dent. Catherine Dent. Can't even see. Mm, not a fan. I thought she was cute in the film. Mm. Better than the Lori Holden. Nah, I take Lori. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the first girl, though. That first girl, the nineteen fifties. Uh, yeah, she. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't she in Saving Silverman as the nun? I think that is her. <laughs> yeah. What about Brian? Yeah. What about Brian? Final Destination. Whoa, that was an interesting time. Oh, I remember in that. Shrink Next Door. I want to see that. I heard it's terrible. Really? Yeah, I love both those guys. Yeah, I, I love that cast. That good. Boys, Girls, and a Kiss. Whoa. That's got to be a Katie She's Holmes. A is that Katie Holmes? Rom-coms. Yeah. Mm. Well, Amanda Detmer. What a beautiful, beautiful woman. All right, well, I'll go with her now because I didn't even realize yeah. this. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, guys. Max, any closing thoughts? <sighs> I like the movie. You like the I movie? like the I movie like a lot. The... I love any Jim Carrey, especially in that era. Um, and like I said, it gets a little higher rating for me just specifically Jim Carrey. You know, the man can usually do no wrong. You know, once in a while he has his missteps like any any actor, but for the most part he's one of our favorites, and that's why we're dedicating so much time to him. Yeah. But Last thing I want to say is just, you know, thank you so much for watching. We're growing as a channel. Love you guys. And uh, we're just we're rocketing into 2022 with a lot of people uh, – just enjoying it and uh you know we really appreciate that we appreciate you guys and especially if you're new here make sure you subscribe because uh we got lots more good content coming for you yes we do yep so as always be kind rewind and subscribe comment and engage yourself with our channel thanks for watching happy 2022